0: welcome to the alberta prosperity project podcast if you're ready to listen sit back relax and enjoy the show thursday august 4th 2022 welcome to episode 13 of the alberta prosperity project podcast i'm your host hunter today joined today with tanner who is up in lloyd with a fresh new haircut tanner how are you
1: with a fresh haircut what is the consensus i quite like it i think it's very funky
0: I think uh, it makes you look a bit more professional than it was before, so that that's part's always right. good. Um, a little bit
1: more professional.
0: I, that's right. I had got my hair cut obviously last week. Um, people saw that in the last episode, but it's still uh, looking quite a bit better than yours. I'll still say, but well, um, regardless, I mean that's uh, that's okay. That's uh, that, you know
1: what. Normally, I would argue vehemently against that point, and rightfully so, I think. But because mm-hmm. on Saturday you're getting married, mm-hmm. I'll refrain, which of know. course leads me to a congratulations well, for getting you. married. That'll be fun. That. We're off at the lake to get married hey or you are I betcha and yeah. uh the lady yeah, is can... still she hasn't run away yet
0: not yet she's still got a few more days obviously from when this uh, episode releases so um hopefully by the next episode that i am featured on i will um hopefully be married at that point that's uh, that's always the goal. obviously i do apologize <laughs> for the mess none of that stuff is mine um my house is now being overtaken by plants and by um lots of things that i didn't think that a, a house needed but uh, i guess as a ah. bachelor, you don't think about that stuff so totally no um i'm
1: single and so as you know i'm living the minimalist life Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i have two desks here that are shaped in the form of an l and -hmm. everything i need is on the desk believe it or not i have my books and i have my papers and i have my computer and it's great because you're quite Mm -hmm. correct insofar as you know keep it low-key keep it casual Mm -hmm. you know nothing too major i do like i do like some nice uh, decorations and so on but uh i yeah i expect the house to become quite a bit more full hey or I the, the think the so, apartment?
0: but uh, but that's okay. It's uh, It should be good. But speaking of which, obviously you guys are coming down today, but on Friday we're having the rehearsal dinner, obviously. And uh, sounds like I might actually get to use the smoker again, not um, to get the hopes up of the listeners, not in the Red Deer apartment, but uh, we'll be taking it likely out to camp where we're getting married um, and then grab uh, some burgers and put those on the smoker. So I'll at least get to use it at least once more before it goes back to Lloyd. Hey, that's the...
1: very exciting. Now that's exciting. And yeah, it's going to come back to Lloyd just for a little while though. I think. Hey, until mm-hmm. you find a more suitable location yes. to engage in smoking activities with right. special meats, et cetera, and so yes. on. So we'll try it on Friday. Who's cooking? Yes. Is it you or dad? I, I guess you'll probably, you'll probably guess, be busy.
0: Yeah, we'll see. Well, uh, I might get in trouble if I'm not hanging out and helping out, I think, but that's okay. Wow. I mean, it's uh, it's understandable if I'm using the <laughs> smoker. I think you can't tell a man not to use his smoker, especially when he's able to. It's so, criminal. It's, it I is. totally
1: agree. It's borderline it criminal, you know, you know, oh. Man is never more like a king than he's mm-hmm. than when he's by his barbecue. Mm-hmm. The man at his barbecue is king he's yeah. a ruler, and so you cannot tell him what to do when he's you know when he's engaged in the art of smoking meats mm-hmm. and so on so it'll know. be fun we're excited yes.
0: yeah and and speaking of rulers and uh those that try to rule right now that gives a nice segue i think into what we're looking at today um and a bit of a you know more, I guess you could say, organic episode. We're not going to be as formal with the questions in that, Um, but just going through a few things uh, to start off with. Obviously, if you haven't heard, I'm sure you have Dr. Dina Hinshaw, uh, who is the Chief Medical Officer of Health here in Alberta. Uh, The numbers came out just a few days ago on her bonus that she received uh, from the provincial government, and it was in the sum of over $225,000 for total compensation, almost $600,000 for the year. Um, Any thoughts on that to begin with?
1: Well, it's a solid bonus. Um, it's a massive bonus. What I would say is this. When, you know, you and I studied history. I loved yeah. history. I still do love studying history. I know some people like social more and others like mathematics, but I quite like history. I especially yeah. love studying uh, the 20th century. But you can go, you know, the ancients are fun to study too. Mm-hmm. Who here or who listening or, or yourself or myself, when have we ever studied history and looked at a government that has um, presented unto itself generous monetary gifts as compensation for their tireless efforts, quote unquote, when have we ever looked at them and said, no, that's a government that's good. That's an excellent one. Those, yeah. those bureaucrats who give themselves these lavish bonuses, that's a government that we want to be ruled by, or we would have wanted to be ruled by. Where in history is that true? It never, it's yeah, never, never true, never. right? No, never. Right. It's never true. And it's especially offensive when you, um, when you appoint yourself such bonuses, and I know it, I know it wasn't Dr. Hinshaw giving herself the bonus, but the government as a whole, it's especially Mm -hmm. offensive to do so when the citizens that you are ruling and that you're presiding over are suffering and are struggling and are trying to make ends meet. So the reason everyone I think is so upset by this is that it's entirely unjust. Like Mm -hmm. all of us were shut down. We were locked down for two years or, you know, you had in a flux, right. But we were in this stage of who knows whether tomorrow will be under restriction. Who knows whether tomorrow I'll be able to go to work? Who knows whether tomorrow I'll be able to enter a restaurant? And then it actually was hammered upon us that, oh, you can't enter a restaurant or, oh, you can't open up your business for the next three weeks or, oh, you can't do this and that. And you have to live off government in order to pay for groceries and make ends meet, all of these things. While all of this was occurring, now we find out that those who are ruling us and who were actually instituting those measures were being paid handsomely for it. So Mm. that's, I mean, that's, my feelings on the matter.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You touched a really nice point there. I mean, even a couple articles that I was reading, and I will um, post some of the links to that as well in the podcast notes, it was mentioning, um, obviously at that same time, right? It mentioned that thing that where it was, you know, we were shutting down businesses and nurses were taking a pay cut. Um, You know, our finance minister at the time, Mr. Travis Taves was saying, look, you know, it's, um, we appreciate the work that nurses do and healthcare workers, but we need to cut their salaries. Um, And now all of a sudden a 63% bonus goes to uh, Dr. Dina Hinshaw. So there's obviously a lot of frustration um, within that piece and perhaps people saying there a bit of hypocrisy Uh, oh yeah and uh, you can go
1: like you know and 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 it it, the bigger issue no not the bigger issue but certainly an issue is that it also conveys incorrect information so what i mean is this price signals value it's like one of the fundamental rules of economics it's very simple price signals value the higher the price the more valuable something is you know on the whole some people you know for example you could you could tell me that this painting is worth three million dollars which means it's very valuable But if I don't like the painting, then to me, it's not worth $3 million. Great, whatever. But on the whole, the higher the price of something, the more valuable it is. So that's true for wages as well, right? Mm -hmm. What is a wage uh, if not simply the price for your labor and the price for your time and the price for your skills? That's what a wage is. It's just putting a price on your goods and services, which is you, which is your ability to work in some district or some with some skill and to do it, you know, to the best of your abilities, etc. And so people are paid different wages, right? You have the minimum wage worker, say at a grocery store, 16 year old, that's that's at the till at the clerk, and is is ringing through groceries. Now he doesn't get paid nearly as much, for example, as uh, the chartered accountant who's been working for 20 years, right? And the reason for that is quite simple because it's an objective fact that working as a chartered accountant with all of these numbers and this responsibility and this um, exceedingly intellectual and meticulous task is much more difficult and requires much more training and, you know, years of school versus compared to the grocery store clerk. And so the chartered accountant's um uh, work is worth more mm. than the grocery store clerk. The individual's not, right? They're both equal in terms of their worth, for certainly. But mm-hmm. society on the whole views the accountant's work mm-hmm. as more valuable than the grocery store clerk, right? You can find a whole bunch of 16-year-olds to work at the grocery store. You mm-hmm. cannot find a whole bunch of 40-year-olds to go into chartered accounting, right? Mm-hmm. It's, a different, it's a different market. And the same right. is true for anything else, right? You look at, for example, someone who works on the oil derricks, right? Okay. So you have to work in minus or plus 40. You have to work with backbreaking work. You have to work in dangerous conditions. Like rigging is exceedingly dangerous, right? Chain, massive chains and everything's spinning and moving. And there's drill hands and there's, you know, all of these guys trying to work in unison Mm -hmm. and there's mud everywhere. Right. And it's filthy and et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, and you just, you know, you're away from your family for a long time. You're working up at camp and you're in the middle of nowhere and so on and so on. And so that job compared to say, I don't know, what's an example of another job that you could give? Um, the gas station attendant, right, sure. is different. The gas station attendant can go home to his family every night. He doesn't have to work outside. He can work inside and therefore be shielded from the elements and not have to suffer through, you know, minus 40 or plus 40. Or if he does, it's only for a little while. Or if she does, it's only for a little while. And he's not isolated. He's yeah. not working in deadly conditions or dangerous conditions that can, you know, snap and break something in an instant, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And so you have to pay the rig worker more Mm -hmm. than the gas station attendant right you have to do so because if you don't no one's going to work on the rigs right Mm -hmm. who's going to go up into the middle of nowhere to drill for oil in the middle of winter away from their families and their friends for weeks at a time if they're only getting paid ten dollars an hour nobody's going to do that right for sure so the value of their work is higher in comparison again don't become confused Mm -hmm. and say that well the individual is worth more no that's not true but the work is different and the market is different you know i had a university professor mm. i can't remember what the class was but one class she was discussing how furious she was and she was furious that uh the guys working on the rigs get paid more than a univ- than her than her univ- mm. you know she says why do these guys need to be getting paid whatever she said 200 grand or something whatever mm-hmm. it was yeah. every year she's like it's ridiculous it's a joke and i was this close and i wish i had but i didn't because i was sitting at the very back i yeah. wish i'd piped up and i would have said would you like to go out when it's minus 40 and sling chains like would you like to be involved in that sort of action so that we can keep the power on in this university to where we can be indoctrinated with these socialist views yeah that's what that would have been a solid response (laughs) and if i was quicker if i was wittier (laughs) i would have done it but i didn't it's one of those things like george costanza where you go home afterwards and say darn it i should have said that you know where you know and he goes with the shrimp that's a funny episode yeah anyways So that's what I would have done, but I didn't, but it's true, right? The market is different. If you're a university professor, you're inside, it's warm, you're teaching uh, students. It's a cushy job. I mean, insofar as you have to work for sure and and present papers, but Mm -hmm. you don't have to suffer through the elements in a deadly, dangerous environment that can be, you know, that's isolated and lonely and so on and, you know, away from your family. So markets are different. Now you bring that back to what's happening with Hinshaw insofar as if price is a signal of value and if wage is, the value the excuse me if wage is the price of your labor then what is being communicated to dr hinshaw is that her labor is exceedingly valuable or that more rather what she did over the last two years or what she's doing now is right and mm-hmm. is valuable and is you know the right yeah. thing to do that's what's being communicated to her now the reason that we're so upset right as individuals in alberta and most Albertans are, at least from what I can tell by the comments, we're just speaking objectively here, right? This isn't even partisan. You just look at the global news comments or the mainstream Mm -hmm. media comments on there. And people are not happy with this. People are upset because, well, first they weren't earning that bonus, even though, um, you know, because they were suffering under these, these lockdowns. And two, because we're not certain. Well, I have my own opinions, right? That what happened was the right thing. It wasn't the right thing, Mm -hmm. right? That's our contention is that this wasn't the right thing to do right Mm -hmm. again and it's actually i think disingenuous to blame dr hinshaw she's just acting as a rational individual here she didn't give herself the bonus right it was handed to her so that actually is i wouldn't be yelling and screaming at her you know insofar Mm -hmm. as oh maybe she could have refused it i guess i don't know but Mm -hmm. for me that's that's not the issue is that you know it was you have a select group of powerful Mm -hmm. oligarchs in this bureaucracy who just give themselves you know bonuses and write out checks to those who are at the very top. Meanwhile, you're cutting wages and not allowing people to work at the bottom, right? Yeah. Because you got to close down and lock down. And so it conveys this um, false information, so to say. Right, mm-hmm. that's, that's how I would put it. That's True. the issue, that's yeah. the
0: issue. Absolutely, and that, uh, when you were mentioning those examples of the difference between the workers, um, you know, for those that don't know, I obviously don't think I mentioned on the podcast, I do have a large passion for aviation. And so, um, you know, a pilot is going to be paid very, very differently than a flight attendant, while they're both um, equally important, and I sure would not want to be a flight attendant, I'd happily be a pilot. Um, right. You know, um, you know the right. pilot usually is making much more. And, um, you know, the training costs are so much higher, the risk is so much higher, the, the responsibility is so much higher. Um, but speaking of planes, I'm sure that uh, another thing that people have heard in the news, um, is that our Prime Minister, Mr. Justin Trudeau, Trudeau has recently been on a lot of trips in the month of July. Uh, You know, I'll just give a quick stat and then maybe get your opinion on this as well. Um, But I mean, obviously, greenhouse gases and climate change are... A forefront for this government that we have right now um and the average canadian you and myself and our listeners will emit about four tons per year that's just you know with driving with heating our homes everything that we do um but the jet fuel used by mr trudeau this last month was 85.8 tons so about 20 times uh, what i will use you know in a year or it'll take me about 20 years to make up what he did in one month of flying alone um so, any thoughts on that from the prime minister or that's just oh, whatever we'll sweep it under the rug
1: <laughs> no yeah it's hypocritical <laughs> again yeah like you know app so we're non-partisan right we always say mm-hmm. it. we're non-profit right yes. we're not we we don't endorse any specific political party but Absolutely. we have a we have a, a obligation an obligation to discuss what's real and what's true so mm-hmm. what's real is that mr trudeau and his government yeah. consistently say that oil is dirty oil is mm-hmm. bad we're sick. We can't use fossil fuels. We have to go green, et cetera, et cetera. But then he turns around and, and does this. So um, whether, whether an individual votes liberal or conservative or PPC or, you know, Maverick, doesn't matter. The reality is plain. It's true. It's clear that Trudeau is acting hypocritically, right? He's being a hypocrite. You have, you say one thing and you do the exact opposite, right? Rules for the, but not for me, right? There's no one righteous. Oh, but one, right? This is that kind of, this is what, Uh, We continue to see again and again and again, like the theme of this podcast really is this sort of is this government corruption, right, where where all of these rulers that that are uh, granted this power, tell us one thing, and they force upon us laws and restrictions for the citizenry but they do something completely the opposite. So, okay, so we're supposed to lock down. We're supposed to not work, right? We're not allowed to go into the office. We're not allowed to make a living for ourselves. We have to live off government, as I mentioned, to get groceries. So we can't earn a wage, or at least a wage that we think or we know is sufficient or need to be sufficient, even in order to combat inflation. We can't do that. But meanwhile, government, the government officials, these these powerful oligarchs, these bureaucrats, are able to receive these generous, generous uh, bonuses right massive bonuses along with they're already substantial and healthy I would yeah very healthy wage mm-hmm. like it's ex- maybe exceedingly healthy right mm-hmm. so they're already not poor but mm-hmm. you add a bonus on top of it right it's smacks yeah. of insult and yeah. again i'm not I'm not knocking the wage itself right individuals yes. should be able to earn money that's a different conversation whether one sure. thinks it's too high or not that's not for the purpose of this podcast but right. just the fact that, while we weren't allowed to work because they said so, the government said so. They were giving themselves massive checks, massive bonuses. Sure. The same is true with Mr. Trudeau. We're not able. Well, I mean, we can use oil and gas, of course, but it's being restricted. It's going to be restricted, right? Uh, we we have these certain rules and regulations that are heavy set on the oil and gas sector, forcing our industry to leave, and they are leaving, and in droves, right? And that's just mm-hmm. clear and present. Mm-hmm you have all of these rules and restrictions in order to curb our usage of gas and, and oil and diesel and, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, uh, But the prime minister and presumably others can do what they want and they can fly wherever they want. And they can use all of this, all of these, again, quote unquote, fossil fuels and emit all of this greenhouse gas that they're so passionately combating, but for them, it's okay. Right. If we do it, it's not. And again, you can't be, you can't confuse it. And we're not saying that taking a vacation is bad. We're That's not right. saying that flying is bad, right? None of those things. If an individual wants to do so, let him. If Mr. Trudeau wants to do so, let him. But don't um, tolerate this rhetoric where he does wa- says one thing and then does the complete opposite, mm-hmm. right? It's a totally different scenario. If he wants to fly in a private jet, then he should then he should say, "I'm grateful for oil and gas because I'm able to take a vacation to wherever he's off to at, at this point in time using." that oil and gas. And mm-hmm. so uh, that seems to be what the topic of the podcast has become is this idea that government is becoming increasingly corrupt. And I mean they're always I mean it's always been corrupt, right? I yeah. mean nothing changes under the sun says the yes. teacher in Ecclesiastes, fair enough. Yeah. But yeah. but um it's becoming worse and worse and worse. And it's one you know they're not even hiding it anymore. Right? They're yeah. just putting it out in the open, right? For all of us to see. Mm-hmm. And they just flaunt it like it's no big deal. So that's why I think the citizenry and the individuals here quite rightly are so displeased with what's going on.
0: Absolutely. And I mean, you know, I know that recently you've talked a couple of times on fertilizer uh, Mm -hmm. and the bans Mm -hmm. that are coming in use with that and all these climate change protocols that are being brought in. um, You know, we've talked about climate change previously on the podcast and the the ethics and morals of whether that's actually right or wrong. Um, So we won't have to touch as much on that this episode, but more so I'm just, I guess I'm wondering, you know, when this is happening, where it's say one thing, do the other. How do we actually stop this? What would be the solution in the APP's eyes?
1: Right, right. Well, firstly, I mean, obviously we're advocating for independence. So Mm -hmm. we like, if you can decentralize government, it makes it that much easier to monitor, right? What we have right now is a system where you have one um, powerful group, right? At the very top and they control a lot. And then you have another group like the provincial governments that also control a lot. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then you have the municipalities. But just due to the size, right, mm. the sheer size of the country and mm. of the government's controlling it, it's almost impossible to accurately scrutinize them and to sure. watch them carefully and closely, right? Mm. The, the more decentralized you can make government, mm. the more you can bring it close to home, so to say, as in the more that the communities themselves can monitor the government, the more efficient and the more careful government has to be. So mm-hmm. if you could... Um, just for example, this is just an example. This isn't exactly what's in our policies, right? That's, this is just an example. If you could make government, um, if you could allocate more power to individual governments that serve just specific communities, mm-hmm. right, that government would be more efficient. So for example, if I could give, you know, here in Lloydminster, the, the most um, immediate government, not that you want to give them more power, but if you could take the power from the provincial government and allocate it to the municipal governments, then the individuals in that community would be able to more closely monitor what that municipality is doing. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, if you could, for example, allocate to the municipalities, say Lloydminster, the powers of, I don't know, let's just say taxation, you probably wouldn't do that, but just suppose that you did. Then all the individuals in Lloydminster would look much more carefully. Mm -hmm. very carefully at what Mm -hmm. the mayor and his council is doing and what they're setting the tax rates at. And if Mm -hmm. their tax rate was say 25%, but over in for, I don't know, Manville, which is what 40 some minutes away, their taxes are 10%. Well, maybe it would be an incentive for some individuals to move from Lloydminster to Manville and drive Mm -hmm. into work or change uh, occupations, et cetera. And then you'd reach an equilibrium. And so you'd be able to more closely scrutinize what the government is doing now Mm. whether that's possible or not i don't know but on the whole the idea of decentralizing government to give smaller communities more control over what their most immediate government is doing is something the app is proposing right Mm. and so it it all it does is it just allows you and i as individuals to more carefully watch what government is doing and therefore snuff out the corruption right if there is corruption it can be dealt with in a much more immediate and um efficient manner i would say right Mm -hmm. so that that in itself i think makes sense i think we've mentioned also before recall legislation right have we in the podcast that we have you know just quickly Mm -hmm. um the listener can can read it in our policy our proposed policies and governance but Mm -hmm. at what we have in present in alberta with regards to recall which is removing an elected politician basically before their next election but you do it legally um it's recall, but it's not recall what we have right now, right? The boundaries and the barriers that are being, that are erected in order to um, actually initiate the recall are impossible to climb or to scale. It'll never happen, right? Right. That recall legislation quite clearly, I think, was simply uh, instituted to appease the people of Alberta who were upset with the way that certain MLAs were running their constituencies. Okay, fair enough, right? Mm -hmm. So instead what we're proposing is still recall, but you just make it, easier to initiate the recall so that sure. if you have a politician who has abdicated his or her responsibility mm-hmm. then uh, to it to his or her constituents then you can remove them from office before the next election now there's a balance to strike right because you don't want it to be so easy that uh, op- the opposition who doesn't have your constituency's interests in heart is able to mobilize a group and actually oust that politician, mm. right? The, the MLA, who's actually good, for example. But you also can't have it that it's so difficult that no MLA will ever be ousted if it's needed to be, right? Mm. So we're trying to um, study and, and strike that balance in order to reach an, an equilibrium where it's not too difficult, but it's also not too easy. And so we're welcoming any input on, on what people believe the right numbers on that would be and so on. Um, right. So, you know, even that, you have two. I would really say, though... No, I would say the decentralization itself is so critical. The fact of the matter is there are always going to be individuals in government who are corrupt. That's just yes. the nature of the world we live in. And so the question is not so much how can you destroy the corruption in man, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's a, that's a, a religious discussion. Mm-hmm. It's more how can you uh, uh, restrain the corruption that currently, that exists? How can mm-hmm. you do that? And so these are the things that we're proposing. You know, even sure. if, and this is, uh, this isn't in the policies yet. Yeah, maybe it will be. Um, but what if we did this? What if for every percentage of inflation hmm. that, um, so sorry, for every time inflation increased 1% in sure. the country, what if you had a law that said that the, uh, you know, MPs or MLAs, whatever you have it, have to reduce their salary by 10%? Like You have to. Right. they'll try that get do? negative
0: and they'll try to get to de-inflation negative oh yeah inflation. totally <laughs> like you, yeah, yeah you'd
1: have to put a clause in there it only goes to zero but yeah. nonetheless yeah. okay so what if you yeah. did that right you would see yeah. inflation pop
0: totally. so fast
1: right you'd see well or you'd see them uh, you know maybe taking bribes but they already take bribes now mm-hmm. right it's just that's yeah. just the way it is and so um you have to cut that out as well but what if you did that oh it certainly sure. would look different right sure. it would certainly look different or you could do the same thing with the housing market If if you inflate the housing market by introducing, well, you know, all of this, um, what would you call it? Banking magic, so to say, Mm -hmm. where you have money created out of thin air and people are able to finance and refinance and triple refinance their homes to introduce more, you know, equity injection and all of these words that sound large, but are really just playing magic tricks, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe you could, um, entice the politicians through other measures to stop that sort of thing, right? With benefits and, 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 um what's the word, what's the proper word I'm thinking of with um, you give them reason to act appropriately, right? Mm-hmm. You give them incentive to act justly and not totally. unjustly. So, right. and, and the way that you monitor that is by decentralizing as much as possible. Right. So that's, I mean, that's a huge reason why we're proposing independence, right? Mm-hmm. Our, our objectives are, are different than the objectives of Ottawa in Alberta, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So if you can decentralize, if you can make the government smaller, much, much smaller, and keep yeah. it centralized to Alberta. Well then Alberta will be able to determine for itself what it wants much more you know much more easily. It right. can give mandates to its government to do this and that in a way that they cannot presently do so now because right. we're also ruled by a federal government in the east. So Absolutely. that's that's our our thesis so I would say our 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 intent is to go. decentralize government, make it smaller so that we as individuals, right as a community are able to more closely scrutinize them and what they're doing. And when corruption arises, as it most probably inevitably will, according to history, we're able to snuff out that corruption as quickly as possible and keep the machine running as efficiently as possible, is what we would say it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And if you want to help stop that corruption, or at least put those barriers on it, like we mentioned before, I encourage you to check out our website and consider becoming a member. That is what helps keep the podcast going, keep the project going and help us gauge our support all across this province. And so if you want to do that, you can head to our website, that's albertaprosperityproject.com. It's also there that you'll see our proposed policies and governance documents. Like Tanner was mentioning before, you can see everything that we're actually putting forward. And you can also give your advice on that you can reach out to contact at albertaprosperity.com. And And that's how we're going to hear your feedback and how we can learn from that as well so uh, with that said if tanner can figure out how to uh, use zoom by himself next week and learn how to record by himself maybe there will be a podcast coming out we'll see Um, (laughs) maybe maybe no promises on that but if not uh, if we don't see a podcast next week we'll for sure be back in a couple weeks uh hopefully with a ring still on my finger that is what we are crossing our fingers for so with that thank you so much for talking to me tanner and uh, look forward to seeing you soon
1: you bet have fun at the wedding
0: Bye.